Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Now we've been speaking this evening about whether or not you would hand up a wallet if you found it on the street with money in it. How much money might be too much for you to uh, keep and what your thoughts are around that? You can send us in what you would do in kind of that situation, 87 104 But now we're going to speak to someone who... In uh, fact, on a very strange, unique study where they were part of, he was part of a team of people that went around the world and dropped 17,000 wallets in various different cities. That's no exaggeration. 17000 17,000 wallets in different situations to see what the human psyche um, is a little bit like and how our behaviour kind of changes. And one of the men involved in that study, Alain Cohn, it was in any way close with getting your name pronunciation correct? No, that's that's perfect. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> um, no worries. I suppose for someone who hasn't heard this, what did you and uh, the other people involved in this research project do? Yeah, so we wanted to find out if people act more dishonestly when they have a greater financial incentive to do so. And so much to our surprise, the answer is overwhelmingly no. So in the majority of the countries we visited, people were more likely to return a lost wallet when it contained more money. And so this finding was not only robust across countries and institutions, but also holds when the wallet contains a substantial amount of money. So how did you actually do this study? Like how many cities did you go to? How many people were involved? How long did it take? Yeah, so it was, it was a really a big project. We had 13 uh, research assistants traveling across the globe. And we visited 350 cities, 355, I think, uh, across 40 countries. Um, we actually dropped even more than 17,000 wallets. These were just the ones that we reported in the paper. But uh, it was definitely our biggest project so far. This is like the greatest holiday ever. We want you to go to different countries around the world and lose money. I've done that numerous times. So have I, actually. <laughs> but is it, it was real money, I presume. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, 
So our research assistant have a lot of fun, uh, but uh, it's also hard work. So if you imagine, um, you had they had to drop like uh, 35 to 40 wallets a day. So they really had to walk from one location to the next. And um, they also visited cities that are probably not on the tourist top list. Um, mm. And so it's exciting to see to see new places, um, but uh, it, there is also always a potential for danger and 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 other things that can go wrong. So um, it was definitely exciting for them, but also uh, not just a vacation. Right. I'm trying to figure out how much money was involved in this in this research. So how much money did did you wind up dropping? Do you know, like? Yeah, so we we spend about I think 135 to 150 thousand uh, for the oh. for the content of the wallet. Um, the total cost of the project is 600 thousand. Wow. Now this sounds like a lot of money. Um, it is for social science research, uh, but not uh, for uh, general science. So, for example, if you do a medical study, you use an fMRI, such a scanner costs just $10 million oh. plus uh, to acquire. And then that doesn't even include the maintenance costs and, 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 and uh, opera- operation costs. So, um, yeah. And how, how much money returned I guess who? How how much was handed back up? Um, so we, we actually, in most situations, we didn't collect the wallets because it would have almost doubled the cost of the experiment. So um, we basically uh, co- collected um, email responses um, from the recipients when uh, when they were writing to the owner trying to return the wallet, and we then said, uh, "You can keep the content. I just left town and." Um, Thanks for for helping. Um, But we verified our procedure in two countries that were uh, that are very different in terms of corruption. So Czech Republic and Switzerland. So we wanted to use these two extreme cases to see whether people would return the wallet, uh, but take the money, basically. And what we found is that in 98 percent of the money um, was still there. So um, there were a few instances of coins probably falling out of the wallet, but it's not it's not the case that people want to return a wallet but then take out the money. And so the reason for this is pretty simple. I think um, they they were in a situation where they were basically anonymous towards the the wallet owner, and so it, uh, they would have incurred the risk by contacting the person and and then pocketing the money, having to explain that. So basically, if you wanted to keep the money, then it was just easier not to to say anything. Oh, so fascinating. You obviously didn't come to Ireland. <laughs> uh, no, unfortunately not. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wish our budget results. would have allowed us to, to visit many more countries. I'm sure our research assistants would have enjoyed uh, a stay in, in, in Ireland. Yeah. Which country fared the best at handing back the money altogether? So the... Cross-country comparison is not really the focus of our study, but in terms of ranking uh, according to reporting rates, we find that Switzerland and the Scandinavian countries are at the top, Mm. which is not entirely surprising. Mm. Um, These are more equal societies. They have a relatively good education system, and also they place a high value on on, uh, individualistic uh, or individualism in terms of values, which means that um, people 
um, um, are supposed to take responsibility for their actions. Well, then it's good to know if you do go on holidays to Switzerland, you can drop your wallet wherever you want. And well, they're one of the most expensive countries in the world anyway, so there'll be nothing <laughs> left in your wallet. You'll be like, you can keep That's it. That's true. <laughs> Happy days. So um, how much, uh, you dropped obviously wallets with different ranges of money in it. So what was the smallest amount and the largest amount that would have been dropped in the wallets around the countries? Yeah, so the smallest amount was uh, $13.45 and then the Biggest amount was seven times this amount, so almost $100. Now, we adjusted the, the cash amounts for purchasing power just to um, reflect differences in, in income across countries. Did you make it look really believable? So in each wallet, was there a photo ID of somebody or was there just a name? What, what did you put in it with the money? So we put in um, a grocery list, um, a key, to make the, the wallet valuable to the owner, even if we didn't put in any money. And we also added three identical business cards, uh, which uh, helped signal who the owner is of the wallet and also allowed us to provide contact information. So we thought about including a driver's license or something like that. Um, the problem is we didn't want to fake driver's license and it's not so easy to obtain um, driver's license from 40 countries and then for multiple mm, people yeah. within a country. It's interesting, though, that you're implanting ideas that will yeah. kind of connect with you like a key or, you know, business card. So you're seeing the human aspect of it. So if you do pick up the wallet, you're probably more likely to go, oh, that person's... Yeah, there's a human here Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, we think that, that that's definitely part of the explanation. So we actually propose two psychological forces that could explain uh, the pattern we observe. The first one is the one you just mentioned, is that we have altruistic concerns, meaning that we tend to care about other people and so we don't want to harm them. But I think it's important to understand that altruism cannot explain the, the, the pattern alone. So basically, you need a second uh, force play here which we call theft aversion and it has to do with our desire to see ourselves as honest people so you think that that's one of the reasons why people you're seeing so many people handing the money back up yeah that's that's definitely part of, of the reason why people were willing to return the wallet is where is this just a strong desire to have a positive image of yourself and what we find what what's novel basically in these studies is that uh, these concerns increase with the amount of money in the wallet. So there is an, an interplay between the economic incentives or financial incentive to keep the wallet together with its content and the psychological forces of uh, maintaining an honest image. That's interesting because yeah. I was saying to you earlier on, Cormac, that if I found uh, a wallet with loads of cash in it, okay, I'm not saying I would steal it, but I'd be more <laughs> tempted to yes. take money if I saw there was a huge amount in it. Reason being, I would think that that person probably has a very good job and probably has loads of money anyway. Yeah, that's a that's a good a good question. So we actually experimented with that in, in two countries, in, in France and in the US, making the owner richer. And you could think... There are like two plausible stories here. You could think that people are more likely to return it because they hope to benefit somehow from uh, establishing a relationship with that person. On the other hand, you might think, well, this is like a rich person. Um, that person doesn't really need the, the cash. 
so what we found is in France, we don't find any difference between the two conditions, whether um, the person was made rich or not. And in the US, we find that people are, are slightly more likely to return it when the person is wealthy. I thought this was interesting as well in my head, because I've seen this loads of times on social media and stuff. If someone finds a ring, you know, a wedding ring or, yeah. or something valuable, they, they always put it up, you know, to look like they're doing good and they want the praise yeah. themselves. So did you find that people like, I don't know if you could tell whether people put stuff up on social media about it or, you know, to try and benefit themselves? selves if you know what I mean like trying to make themselves look a little bit better for the gram I know what you mean yeah. better human beings is more valuable to them <laughs> yeah, than yeah. money so yeah. <laughs> we, we, we conducted a study back in 2013 till 16 so I don't know how how prevalent Instagram was at, at the time but uh, we didn't notice much activity on, on the internet I mean not actually not at all we, we received uh, one or two emails or so uh, asking more about it but like n- not much going on here uh, we also checked actually whether people would use uh, I found this wallet versus we found this wallet, hmm. and we also don't find uh, like a like um, a strong relationship between the use of I or we. So I would be a signal that that, that to promote the self, basically, hmm. um, instead of the of the group or the institution where you work at. Um, so we we have a situation here where people were uh, likely to be unobserved and and so we don't think that social image or like trying to 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 create a, a good reputation towards others uh, is a main force here so what really seems to be driving the behavior of people is keeping an honest image of yourself so it's just you want to think of yourself as being a good person. Did you notice, and maybe you didn't look out for this or study this, but did you notice a difference in, let's say, the wealth of a country? So were uh, were poorer countries more likely to be more generous in giving than, let's say, the wealthier countries? Yeah, that's a comment we we often received. And in the end, we also included some analysis uh, in our study. So basically, we find a strong correlation between a country's wealth proxied by its GDP and the reporting rates. Um, so, for example, the richer countries like Switzerland and the Scandinavian countries are more likely to be at the top. However, when we control for it statistically, mm. then we still find large differences in uh, reporting rates across countries. So uh, a country's wealth doesn't seem to be the sole factor explaining the differences across countries. Oh, that's interesting. It is very interesting. It's fascinating, really. Yeah. Um, I've lost my wallet three times, right? And each time it was handed back up. With money in it? Uh, once there was like a fiver gone from it and it didn't matter, but all my cards and everything else. And then the two other times, yeah, the money was in it. Yeah, it's something that I would definitely hand back. A, a wallet and a phone in particular. Mm. Because you know yourself. I think that if you can put yourself in their situation and you're without your wallet and you're going to have to cancel all your bank cards. Yeah. Or, that. you know, you have your phone and you've got your phone book with all your contacts in it and you don't have them backed up and you, you need it. Then you kind of, I guess you are kind of putting yourself in their shoes in a way. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said before, I think that's definitely part of the reason why people return a wallet is because they understand that if if they will be in the situation of the owner who would have lost it, um, 
um, they they would be heard. It, it would it, it would be it would, like especially with thinking about the key. You know, like replacing the key of your house. You don't you don't know where the key is. You have to replace the locks and and so on. It's so it's a hassle. Yeah. And so I think people can definitely em- empathize with 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 that. And so that's part of the story. But again, like I said. Um, this doesn't fully explain the pattern of results. For you then, what was the most interesting thing that you found overall with the study? So one of the interesting findings was definitely that people seem to have difficulty predicting the pattern of results, and this in- includes me. So we basically, when we started that research, we predicted exactly the opposite. So we predicted that with higher amounts of money, people will be less likely to return the wallet. And so we we investigated this a little bit further, trying to understand why people have a wrong mental model of honest behavior. And what we found is that we tend to place more emphasis on economic and financial incentives when we think about other people. And we think that they don't have the same moral restraints as we have. So when people think about themselves, they acknowledge the, the, the psychological forces that are uh, a play here, but when they think about other people, they tend to ignore this and kind of dehumanize other people and think, oh, they're just motivated by the money. And have you done any other studies similar to this one? So I have done a lot of research on, on honesty, nothing um, uh, super close to that research, but uh, definitely uh, investigated re- uh, why people behave uh, honestly or, or not. Um, for example, we used brain stimulation to make people more honest and trying to better understand the new biological foundation of honesty. Or uh, a few years ago, we examined uh, the reasons why there might be um, more dishonesty in the banking industry than in other industries and found that uh, norms and the culture of the banking industry uh, is likely to to, to promote or encourage dishonest behavior. Well, I think Ireland can definitely <laughs> confirm. Yes. <laughs> We've had one of the worst banking crises as well. It's about 10 years old now, but God, yeah, that's mad. So if you're in, in the banking industry, you're a psychopathic liar. Yeah, and steer clear. <laughs> um, that's, I, I don't think, I wouldn't <laughs> completely agree with that. Um, so, so basically what we show is, is, or what we find is, um, that they're actually quite honest, uh, 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 people who work in the banking industry, but that it's their, the cultural norms that surrounds them that uh, encourages them to behave dishonestly. So basically, when you work as a bank employee, um, you, you get the feeling that um, it's, it's okay to do certain things, whereas uh, I think in other industries, um, it's not. Yeah, enough. well, I'm going to steer clear of any bankers. I'm not going to go out with one of them. Ever again. Ever again. <laughs> no, not that I ever have, but I won't now. <laughs> um, listen, uh, Elaine Cohn, thanks a million for coming on. It's a fascinating study. If somebody wants to find it online, maybe where would you recommend they go and see some of the, the research you've done? Well, they can visit my homepage, uh, for example. I list all the papers and and you can also download them. Um, I think just Google my name, Alain Cohn, and um, you will find it. Jelly. Well, isn't that's been fascinating. I'm going out to uh, drop some wallets around Dublin city centre <laughs> and see what happens. I don't think it will work in Dublin too much now. Don't, we'll find out. Again, let's not presume. True. We, uh, we have to do rigorous research methods here now and we'll see what happens. But uh, Elaine, thanks a million for coming on. Yeah, thanks for again for, for covering our research. Um, it was a pleasure talking to you. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Imagine 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.